Turn to John chapter 16, verse 7. We're going to talk about conviction today. Um, the Holy Spirit has come to this earth, yes, to empower us, yes, to make Jesus known, but he's also come to convict you of your sins. He's come to convict you of all righteousness. He's come to convict you of so many things. And at first you might fight against this message. I want you to just sit back and listen. Seek Jesus in this as we read God's word. Chapter 16, verse 7 says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, that's the Holy Spirit, he will, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer. Verse 11 says, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. The first thing that you must be convicted of, church, I mean, we, we have to be convicted of all sorts of sin. We have, and especially in our day, we have a multitude of ways to sin. But the first sin, the unpardonable sin, the sin that separates you from Jesus, and there is no, there is no bridge, is unbelief in Jesus. If you do not believe in the Son of God today, if you do not believe that Jesus has come to this earth, that God himself has come to this earth to die for your sins, to live a holy, righteous life, fulfilling the law, to die as a sinner when he himself had no sin, to be crucified barbarically, to be buried in a tomb, and to raise his body up by the power of God to conquer sin and death forever. If you do not believe that today, I am praying for you to be convicted of that. Pastor Tony, I've been a Christian for a lot of years. I know. A lot of people can go a long time without believing in Jesus, but looking like they do. Pastor Tony, I've gone to church longer than you've been alive. Yes, and you still don't believe in Jesus. This is not about church attendance. This is not about tithing. This is not about giving. This is not about how many hours you put in outside of Sunday morning. This is not about attending on Wednesday night. This is about what you believe. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? That without him, you will die eternally in hell? That, that not only have you sinned, earning the wrath of God, but, but you don't believe in Jesus. See, if you believe in Jesus, these other sins become secondary. These other sins are easy. These other sins, by the blood of Jesus, are just washed away, tossed into the sea of forgetfulness, as far as the east is from the west. But this one sin... God sends the Holy Spirit to convict you of today. Jesus said, I am leaving you, but it's to your advantage because as I leave, I will send you the Holy Spirit. Church, the Holy Spirit comes with 
a multitude of benefits. Power, wisdom, manifestations, miracles. But if you are receiving the Holy Spirit and not feeling convicted, there's something wrong. The Holy Spirit comes to convict you of your unbelief. Can you ever get to a place where you 100% believe in Jesus, where there no longer is any doubts? This, I'm here to tell you, this has nothing to do with doubting. There are going to be days where you wake up and go, you know what? I just don't know how this works. How does a Jewish rabbi 2,000 years ago die for me? How did he come back to life? Church, you are a human being with a mind that should be exhausted and used. These questions are good questions. But you can remain faithful while not understanding. There are many things we use throughout the day that we don't understand yet we use them. We, we operate under them. We benefit from them. We nurture them. We don't know how it works. Christianity is not all that mysterious. But it raises a lot of questions. Conviction is not the funnest place to be, but I heard Pastor Ben say it as I was praying for you. Conviction is an act of grace by God. The fact that God would let you feel the weight of either your disbelief or sins you've committed to allow you to feel that pressure, that you might repent of it, that you would feel the fire and the heat from, from that which you are doing that is just wrong. I mean, you know it's wrong. You know it's sin. I don't need to, I don't need to point it out. That is an act of grace. I don't like the way this feels. It hurts. Yes. So that you might repent. That you might turn away. That you would have opportunity to make things right, to be reconciled to God. It is an act of an unloving father to allow you to not feel that. And he does so because he is full of grace. Now, here's what conviction is not. While conviction is a gift, it's a blessing, it's a, it's great, it comes through the grace of God, here's what conviction is not. Accusation. We have to be very clear on this. Satan accuses. Satan comes and accuses you. And you know what we do? We often give him fuel, don't we? Satan is the father of lies, but there are times where we actually have done something, and he accuses us. Conviction is not accusation. They are two different things. Here's what I will tell you, though. And I want this to be an encouragement today to you, because it is to me. Satan is an accuser. Do you know why he's an accuser? Because he needs a higher authority in which to accuse you. 
Satan cannot come and condemn you. Satan cannot come and convict you. Satan cannot come and toss you anywhere. Satan accuses you to God because God is higher. God is bigger. God is creator. God is savior. God is Lord. He is all of these things, and he is not. See, Satan will accuse you. Satan will say, you are this, you are that, you are dirty, you are unholy, you are unclean, you have done this, you have done that, you have failed again. And he will say that to God because he has no other, he has no higher authority to take it to. If you go to, if somebody takes you to court, what do they do? They take you to a higher authority. In one fell swoop, when Satan accuses you, what has he done? He's revealed to you that he is less than God. And we know that. But I'll tell you what, I love evidence of that. I love seeing that. When he accuses me, it's not that I haven't done something, but I realize that he is, he is the way the Bible describes him. Condemned to hell, full of pride, masquerading as an angel of light, pretending to be God, but nothing. While Satan might accuse, God would rather convict. And what does that mean? That means he would come to you, show you, tell you, speak to you, exemplify to you what you've done is wrong so that you might repent. You see, accusation draws you away from God. Conviction brings you back to Jesus. In John chapter 8, As a dad of a daughter, one of the most gut-wrenching verses of all the Bible for me. John chapter 8, verse 2 says this. They went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, verse 2, early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. This young woman, obviously, has made some wrong choices. She was caught in the act of adultery. She was having sexual relations with a man who was not her husband. And in fact, this man was probably somebody else's husband. She's ripped away, pulled out of her home or this other person's home, brought into a church-like setting, and said, Jesus, what are we going to do with her? She is dirty, foul. She is wrong. We accuse her. Put yourself in that temple. Look around you right now. Imagine a group of men dragging a woman in here, plopping her down in the middle of this room, and pointing their fingers at her. And then saying, Jesus, what are you going to do with her? They don't even care about her. You know what they care about? Killing Jesus. They, they took this woman, dragged her in so that they might catch Jesus. 
so that he might say something in which they could accuse him. Put yourself there for just a moment. Verse 6 says, This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who was without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus left alone, was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Notice Jesus, notice the Pharisees. Notice Jesus, notice the scribes. The scribes come in accusing. But Jesus convicts her. She's not off the hook. We don't, we don't lift her up because she wasn't doing something wrong. Truth be told, that's what she was doing. But what does Jesus do? Jesus convicts her. He removes all the pointy fingers, the old men, the, 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 the religious that come to just destroy, and he comes in and brings her life. He offers her forgiveness and the command and encouragement to go and, and, and stop doing what you're doing. Two people, were, or two groups, I should say, were convicted that day. The woman and the scribes and Pharisees. They were convicted too. That's why they dropped the stones. That's why they took off. They said, you know what? I have sinned. I have sinned. Jesus is right. I can't throw a stone at this woman. But do you know where their conviction led them? Away from Jesus. Their conviction did not make them followers of Christ. Church, if you feel convicted about your sin today, and you just go home and say, ah, oh, nuts. Jesus is right, I'm a sinner. And you don't repent. You're no better than you were at the beginning of this morning. But if today Jesus has convicted you of your sin, it's an opportunity to repent. Repent, it's an old-fashioned word. We don't use that word anymore because we don't talk about repentance anymore. Church, today is your day to repent. I'm not asking you to confess your sin in front of the church. I'm not asking you to make your life an open book. I'm not asking you to give some big testimony. I'm not telling you to go and give up everything. I am encouraging you to heed the words of Jesus, to realize that when you are feeling what you were feeling about your sin, there is a design for that. Your conviction should lead you to Christ. Not religion, not, not destroying yourself, not, not sacrificing by giving more or by serving more to try to make up to God what you have done. No. Your part is to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I repent. I I do the 180 degree turn away from sin back to you. Church, there is only two directions. You're walking towards Christ. You're walking towards sin. That's it. No third direction. 
So today is your opportunity. I have been praying that the Holy Spirit would convict you. If you are feeling conviction, if you are feeling like what you do is wrong, meaning the sin that you do is wrong, that is good. You should not look at sin and say, oh, that's okay. We need the Holy Spirit to, to, to break through that. And we also need him to break through your disbelief. Church, any sin can be forgiven. But if you do not believe, we haven't even started walking yet. We're going to pray again. Ben, I'm going to ask you to come up. Ben's going to play a little music. As a pastor, 2 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, rebuke, reprove. There are some of you who come to me and say, I have this issue. And I say, yeah, you should stop doing that. As a pastor, I have the liberty to, to tell you these things as long as my aim is to love you. As long as my aim is reconciliation with the Lord. If, if my aim is haughtiness or to stand above you or to look down upon you or to cast you away like this woman caught in adultery, I'm just like the scribes and Pharisees. But today I come to challenge you. What is in your life that needs to go? Is it disbelief? You just do not believe in Jesus. You've been holding it together long enough. You've been pretending. You say the right words. You come to church. But your life is not in his hands. If that's you today, repentance is needed. Jesus, and this is what that looks like. Jesus, I have not believed you. Increase my belief. Help my unbelief. And church, as a father loves to answer a child, he will answer you. He will do or say or show you something unique to you. Whether it be a Bible verse or something you see or, or, or just something you experience, it'll be something that reminds you that God loves you. If your sin is unbelief today, we've got to tackle that head on and we've got to repent. Maybe your sin is something more tangible it's something you're doing or not doing maybe you're maybe you're just disobedient you're god's kid but you're rebellious maybe maybe you you know jesus you believe in him you've confessed your sins before but now you've come to a place where it's just eh. repentance see church i'm not going to play the card that today could be your last day Hopefully we all realize that the Bible says our life is but a vapor. One day you wake up and somebody has died. One day you wake up and your health's not what it was. We have no guarantee of tomorrow. Church, your name will be called one day by the Lord to go home. And you will need to be ready. And today is a day to make yourself ready through repentance and here's the great overarching theme of all of this because all of this can sound like a downer all this can sound like fire and brimstone all of this can sound like pastor tony you just want us to all be depressed and tired and and groaning no no, no. conviction leads to joy 
here's what you need to understand, and I, I can't I can't make you understand this. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. He loves us, but he loves you. As cliche, as as flippant as we say that, I need you to understand the truth in that phrase. We sang how he loves us. Do you know why we sing that song? Because we can't measure it. We just simply say how how he loves us. It's so much that he would die for me. That he would see my sins. He would look at me as that adulterous woman and not accuse me, but lift me up. Die in my place. Conquer sin and death for me. For you. For us. Church, we have a multitude of problems. Everybody here could write a book about our lives. But I'm here to tell you today, Jesus loves you in spite of all those things. These things have not come to take your life. They have come to glorify Jesus in your life. Your marriage problems, your financial problems, your emotional problems, your status, your your loneliness, your burdens, they have come to glorify Jesus. That on your lips might be the praise of Jesus when there should be none. Today is your day. Today is your opportunity. Your day. Not the person you brought. Not your husband or wife. Not your kids. Not this guy or that guy. You. Let's just pray. I'm going to take just a couple, 15, 20 seconds. We're not going to say anything. We're just going to be quiet for just a minute. That's really hard for me, folks. I can't, look at me, I can't even do it. Go ahead, Ben, keep playing. pray for your people we repent I repent like the like the father with the young demon possessed boy we pray increase our belief help our unbelief Lord none of us here have got it all together none of us here are batting a thousand Lord we all need your help So, Father, I'm praying that you would help us even to repent today. That even even as we lay down our lives, that you would help us in doing that. That as this day progresses, as the week progresses, that you would show us the areas of our life where we do not believe you. The places where we might be strong, but the places where we are very weak. Father, I thank you that you're greater than our weaknesses. 
Jesus, you are good. Speak to your people, Lord. we close today my desire is not that we'd have one day where we repent and the next week we just talk about something else but that every moment of this day would be opportunity to turn back to you that like sheep who wander away and stray that you would continue to come bring us back in when we say the wrong words, when we display the wrong attitudes, where we exercise in fear rather than faith, where we forget that we follow you and we are your children, where what your word has said does not become number one priority, but what we say and believe is number one, where we have designated you as second, third, fourth, tenth, Lord, forgive us. I thank you that you are fully aware that we are simply vessels of clay. But I thank you that you are so invested in us through your son Jesus that these vessels are being made brand new each and every day. Like, sun, like a sunrise on the horizon, we see the light coming up ever so slightly and we know that there is great hope to be found only in Jesus. Today, Lord, may Jesus be resurrected in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.